How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey there everyone, it's Stackers here. Just letting you know that we had a little bit of an issue with the way that this episode was recorded. So unfortunately, I'm very limited in what I can do in the way of editing this episode. So unfortunately, it won't sound quite as crisp and clean as my usual edits, but I hope that you can still enjoy. Thanks. Hey there, Disney Files. Thanks for tuning in. Just a little warning that whilst we like to keep things bright and light here at Dissecting Disney Ditties, occasionally we do drop in a bad word or two. So if you're listening at home or in the car with the kidlets, you might want to listen to this later. Enjoy. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet to record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet! But on this show, we'll be breaking each Disney classic down. Hello and welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. I'm Stackers. And I'm Will. And on, the, and on this show we... What do we do on this show? Oh my God. <laughs> and I am Will. And on this show we break down every Disney animated <laughs> classic song by song in an attempt to answer the impossible question. What is the best Disney song? Now, you know, it's not actually my fault because I'm thrown because we have a third person in the room today. <laughs> do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's this man's fault. <laughs> hey, hi, I, I'm Jake. I'm Jake Stewart and I'm, I'm, I'm here. With the two of you, which I'm really excited about. Thank you for having me. Intruder alert! Intruder alert! Shut up! No idea what that's from. Stuckers. I have no idea what that's it's from. It's from the uh, underrated classic Batman Forever from 1995. I'm going to say. Ah, yes. Did that sound effect paint me as a villain? That, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> as an intruder. Yeah. Ah, so that's better. <laughs> Is that better? That's the question, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such no. a warm reception. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome, Jake. Welcome. <laughs> no, legitimately welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, it's exciting. I, you I, are our first guest a speaker, if it sounds really informal. Yeah, yeah. speaker, good. Yes, yeah, yeah. Artist sounds like you're going to sing. I really don't know what to call you. Yeah. you no, are, that's good. Uh, good. No, okay, that, that's exciting. Well, you're our first guest podcaster because you also have a podcast. I do. That's, yep, yeah, 100% a project that's being undertaken. Uh-huh. Now, now's the time to plug your show. Oh, hi. Uh, it's called <laughs> Praise Dionysus with an exclamation mark at the end. Uh, and it's just me and my pal James. And we sit around and talk about uh, like independent theatre in Melbourne. Mm. And yeah, yeah, it's just kind of like a, like a goofy gay time. And we talk about, yeah, what people are sort of like artistically attempting around the place and kind of, you know, have a, have a discourse that's more about talking about what the artists are attempting and the things that they make us feel as opposed to judging the, you know, the quality of what the art is itself. Which is basically all we do here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we have you. Ah, the soulmates. <laughs> we could call it a guest dissector. 
a guest dissector. I do. A guest. A guest. Mm, yeah, I like that. A guest. A guest sector. A guest sector. Sounds like a disease. It does. Yeah, and then we mm. work at a morgue together. <laughs> <laughs> like, I imagine there's probably celebrity morticians, right? It's, like, the, it's time for my guest section. Who's the celebrity? Well, no, I mentioned like, you know, rock star like, morticians. Who's like, oh, in oh, the mortician community. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is Jake from Lapine. Yeah. <laughs> Who we getting up in? Were you thinking it was just a show where they just open up dead celebrities is that yeah. what you're going with that? I think and just sort of like gossip <laughs> yeah look what? the episode that Keith Richards is on I'd be totally there do you remember that show from the early 2000s that was like basically body dissection or am I am I am I the only weird one here? was it the one where it was the guy with the accent talking in front of like a group of yes, students and there was yes. like a like a naked model and he'd point at them and be like yeah. that's a rib cage yeah, and yeah. then he'd like cut them open and, and be let's like look at a rib cage yeah and he was what? German I think and he wore yes. like a hat it was a, yeah yes yeah. it was a real German energy yeah it was definitely voice. a real show see it's not just existing in my head stackers uh, it's was, a real show anyone know what this was called I, I think it was called like what well, it was like, something very generic sounding it's like, like body works or something like that uh-huh. like um because I think that they then, I think it's the same guy that had that show that was traveling around, which was like the the bodies in various stages of um, like uh, de skinned and stuff like that, that was injected with plastic or something to preserve them. Do we, and he was traveling we, around with these things yeah, like in was. a wagon. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, yeah, like a modern day wagon. He, uh, <laughs> you know, he'd roll into town with his horse and cart and uh, unload all these like it's plastic bodies. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. And on you that note. I never thought I'd say this, but we're not here to dissect, to dissect bodies <laughs> in, a, in a show. Uh, we're here to talk about The, the Lion King. King. Ah! I forgot just how good this movie is. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'd forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, How do you feel about it? <laughs> just entranced by watching you reflect. Yeah. No. No. Similar feelings. Oh my god. Just like the the, the like the warmth and the ambience. Like yeah, having revisited it for this conversation. Just like oh, I remember. Of course, it triggers all like the you recall how your like little child body felt when you were going through all mm. the things yeah. that were happening, yeah. and then to almost get to reflect and have that conversation with your younger self as you go through it again as a grown person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice to see the gang again yeah. and to and to feel all those giant feelings that are brings up inside you yeah yeah i wish i remembered seeing this in the cinemas and i feel Mm. like i must have because i would have been old enough but i have no recollection Uh, eight maybe yeah okay yeah i think my maths is off maybe eight (laughs) 94 yeah yeah we're not going to sit here and do maths. <laughs> You're yeah, the math teacher. I think, I think I saw it at the movies a bunch of times. Like yeah. that's, you, you know how you mythologize your experience with some movies. It's like I've told people, oh, I, my dad took me like seven times to see it. But I was three and I don't think I remember anything else from when I was three. So I could have just concocted this to sound super cool. Yeah, yeah it's working. Yeah, no, I feel like I must have seen it as well, but I don't recall actually seeing it as opposed to like when we discussed Beauty and the Beast, I remember my auntie taking me to see that so I don't really have those memories but Mm. yeah like this movie is just it's uh, it's something else Mm, yeah it is um I've been thinking a lot about it because 
you know, everyone always makes the joke about Bambi being the traumatising movie of their childhood, but I think this is the traumatising movie of my Who childhood. Who the fuck <laughs> says Bambi is the most traumatising movie of their childhood? People have said that to me in the past. Really? Yeah, yeah, but, like, you know, it's always a joke, though. It's always like, oh, you know, when Bambi's mother got shot and we all mm. grew up overnight or something. It's, I think... Uh, I'm just like, who who thinks of that over the Lion King? Yeah. You know I, what I mean? Yeah. No, you don't even see... mother got shot in the woods? Look, you know, it's, it's not like you see the deer go <laughs> down. Sort of society there. <laughs> it's not like you survivors. see the deer go down. You see Mufasa go down. Yeah, Bambi's mum dies off screen. That's the thing. Like, this is so much more visceral and... Um, in your face, because it's it's very much there. The only thing that's actually missing is the literal trampling of him. But you see him get thrown into the stampede. You mm. see his body. And yeah. It's, it's, you see a body. You don't even see a body in Bambi. I think it mm. also adds to it that um, Simba's trying to wake him up because I think Oh, my this God. Is, you got to get up. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, we got to yeah. go home. Oh, that, right? mm. You can't. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Simba, you dumb bitch. <laughs> Simba, you simple soul. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, so, it's a lot. It's mm. a lot. And I think this is the first sort of child antagonist we've had in a Disney movie for a while up until this point. Um, I think the last one would have been like Fox and the Hound. A child oh, antagonist. Ah. Who's the yeah. child antagonist? Well, Simba, Simba to begin with. To but begin then with, he, yeah. like grows up, obviously. Oh, sure. Okay. And so I think like... But antagonist kids. like the villain? Uh, no, sorry, protagonist. protagonist. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, protagonist. Yeah, the dark take yeah. of a lion kid. <laughs> <laughs> like you want scars? Simba killed Simba's a Nazi. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, sorry, yes, protagonist. No, great. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there'd have to be another one, but... I guess, you know, technically all the princesses are prepubescent teenagers, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but none of them are uh, children. Yeah. So Simba's like a, a literal child. And so being able to relate to him on that level, as well as this very, again, visceral mm. attempt to wake up his dad and this thing that's just happened. Yeah, it's it's traumatising. And I, I have no problems admitting I cried many times throughout this movie. Mm. Yeah. By the um, way, spoilers, people. Many spoilers. Uh, oh, yeah. If you have not seen The Lion King for some reason and you're listening to this podcast, you should know by now. We'll talk about the fucking story. Beats. Okay. The plot will come up. <laughs> God. Um, okay. I wish I could relate to that, though. I never had that experience. Because like, everyone around me was being like, oh, that's was so devastating like imagine if your dad was dead and it's like I just never had that feeling and then I was like what what am I and no one's ever answered this question but am I broken on the inside <laughs> because I don't know because part of me thinks like the the lame like whiny bitch in me is like maybe it's because I'm not super close to my father yeah but then like the other part of me is like I think it was just because I'm not a lion yeah. <laughs> I think that's what me as a three-year-old was like oh <laughs> luckily I'm not a cat this every morning when you got up in the mirror and you looked in the mirror you're like oh no no not a lion today yeah no <laughs> so I'm Unlikely that my father will be tossed into a stampede by his uncle. <laughs> my uncle. Sorry, the family tree. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, let's just jump straight into some stats. Alrighty, the year is 1994. It has been two years since the release of Aladdin. What came out in 1993? Nothing. Mm. Hollywood just shut down. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Steven Spielberg was like, I'm not making a movie (laughs) this year. And everyone went, ooh, okay, we better not either. Well, they went heavily into live action. So Hocus Pocus came out in 93. Um, But 
technically not animated but close, The Nightmare Before Christmas came out in 1993. Right, okay. So you could could sort of assume they just made room for that because Katzenberg did promise one animated feature a year. Yeah, okay. I guess I didn't include that because it's a different distributor, but yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, So the music and lyrics are by Elton John and Tim Rice, not Alan Menken. We will explain. Well, I will explain because you probably don't know why. Yeah, don't make me do it. (laughs) I will explain why later. Alan Menken was called home to his planet of Jupiter 3. And the score was by the incomparable Hans Zimmer. My God, yeah. In the cast, we have a throng of awesome actors. Playing Simba, we've got Matthew Broderick of the producer's fame, but at that time he was probably most famously known for playing Ferris Bueller. I was going to say, how do you not mention Ferris Bueller? (laughs) (laughs) Because I saw it for the first time ever last year. Shut up. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We'll unpack that another time. (laughs) Very interestingly, though, he is not the singing voice of... Simba. That is interesting because he is a singer. He, he is sings, a singer. He sings in producers. I want to be a producer with a hit show on Broadway. So what? The, the producers, a nice work if you can get it, and a whole bunch of other stuff yeah. I can't think of right now. Uh, some, how to succeed in business, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. So the singing voice is actually Joseph Williams, who's the son of John Williams, and more famously, the lead singer of Toto. Glad you're all on board. Great. Oh, Sorry. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Africa. Uh, yeah. Oh, but he sounds uh, so much like Matt. Yeah, he does. I did yeah. not. I didn't pick it. I just didn't pick it. It was a different person. Yeah. Okay. The voice of young Simba was Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And I remember being obsessed mm. with this because I loved Home Improvement when I was a kid. Makes yeah. sense. He was Randy. Spanners are cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then we've got some pretty uh, famous people in the role of Scar. We've got Jeremy Irons and Mufasa is played by Jer- James Earl Jones, who you might know as Darth Vader. Or the voice of Darth Vader, or the sound effects. I don't know. Does Darth Vader speak? <laughs> sound effects. I, I was going to say. Boom, a boom. Doesn't he just go? <laughs> 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 Hold on. <laughs> Completely different movie. If he's just walking around going door open, <laughs> <laughs> button press. <laughs> Does he speak? Yeah, he speaks. Doesn't he confess to being someone's father? Isn't that a whole thing? Yeah, that's a thing. Is that's that the thing. only thing he says though? Uh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> I only talk in twists. Your, li- <laughs> Your line is. <laughs> what a superhero like, theme, only being able to talk in twists. Like, yeah. Uh, it's like getting that Shyamalan yeah. personified. <laughs> <laughs> this, poor, this poor guy is so famous and I'm like, does he speak? I don't know. I was going to say, I made a Star Wars reference the other day and you blanked me. So no. if you're now pulling out knowledge of Darth Vader, I was going to be very upset. There's something but, called hey. CP3O and a gold robot. Oh, uh, <laughs> Move on, Stacker. Move on. Uh, I'm having an aneurysm over here. It, the voice of Nala is Moira, Moira Kelly, mm-hmm. who apparently is very famous for playing Karen Rowe in One Tree Hill. I've never seen it, but I think fans of the show will be like, oh, my God. <laughs> Funnily enough, I read that Matthew Broderick never recorded this in the same room as anyone else, except I think he did one scene with with Jeremy Irons mm. and he found out Moira Kelly was playing Nala at the premiere. Oh, oh it seems like a question you'd ask. Really? You'd ask that question? I would ask that question. I'd be like, oh, cool. Who's, who's playing, in the cast? Who's playing yeah. my love interest? 
But then would you also be like, and I'd like to be in the same room as them when we record all these important conversations? Would you be like, oh, that'll be fun to talk to her on the red carpet? I don't think I'd want to be in the same room as Matthew Broderick, so he just seems like an annoying kind of guy. So. Think of all the Inspector Gadget questions you could ask him. That is a really good point, actually. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why, Matthew Broderick? Most of all, why? So, First of all, how dare you? Here's my favourite Broadway connection, because I'm a Broadway nerd. So, Nathan Lane voices Timon. And at the time, he was doing the 1992 Guys and Dolls revival alongside Ernie Sabella, uh, who plays Pumba. That's cool. Mm. So they were both doing that show and they both auditioned for the role of the hyenas. Mm. And they were so funny <laughs> that the producers said, let's make them Simone and Pumba. They were not there for those two roles, which yeah. I think is really funny. And then to add to the Broadway nerdism, Robert Giuliame, who plays Rafiki, won the Tony Award for playing Nathan Detroit in the 1976 revival of Guys and Dolls. Oh, wow. So a whole bunch of Guys and Dolls alumni in here, which I think is very, very cool. Hmm. Call a lawyer and sue me, sue me. What can you do me? I love you. Give a holler and hate me, hate me. Go ahead, hate me. I love you. Lawyer and sue me, sue me. What can you do me? I love you. Give a holler and hate me, hate me. Go ahead, hate me. Love I best love years you. of my life, I was a fool to give to All you. Right already, I'm just a no good thing. Voicing Zazu, we've got Rowan Atkinson, who we know as Mr. Bean or the Love Actually guy with the cinnamon stick. Or Blackadder. Or Blackadder, but Love Actually, when he's bagging the necklace. And, and he's like, Does what he is that? It's like the cinnamon. To yeah, Alan and he puts the roses oh, in the bag. Yeah. And oh. would you like that gift wrapped? That's Rowan Atkinson. It's like my favourite scene that he's yeah. ever done. Okay. Oh. Okay. Sure, I, thought, no, yeah. I can see how anything would outrank Mr. Bean. I'm not a bean head. But yeah. Uh, voicing Sarabi, we've got Madge Sinclair. And then in the role of the the roles of the three hyenas, we've got Whoopi Goldberg as Shenzi, which the role was meant to be Tommy Chong, who's the other half of Cheech and Chong. Mm. But he was unavailable because Cheech Marin plays Bunzai. So they yeah, were meant to have okay. the two of them. Oh. Yeah. But he couldn't do it. So they made Shenzi female and gave it to Whoopi Goldberg, which is a boss move. And in the role of Ed, we've got Jim Cummings, Cummings, sorry, not Cunnings, who also sings a little bit in this show, but I will leave that bit of info uh, till later. I think oh. you've mentioned it before on the podcast, but we will save it as a nugget of surprise Have I? for our guests. Although for those of you who haven't listened to whatever the episode that was, it'll be a surprise. Yeah. Uh, songs that you would be familiar with are probably everything from this movie. We've got Circle of Life, I Just Can't Wait to Be King, Be Prepared, Hakuna Matata, and Can You Feel the Love Tonight, also known as Elton John's Greatest Hits. And then on the <laughs> awards side, they received two Academy Awards. They were nominated for four. They won Best Original Score, went to Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. I can't speak tonight. <laughs> went to Hans Zimmer. And Best Original Song, what song won the award? Circle of Life, surely. Can you feel the love tonight? Ding, ding. Oh. The original song <laughs> award be into it. went to Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Now, Circle and Hakuna were both nominated. Oh. Why did you say Circle? 
Um, why did I say can you feel the love tonight? Oh, uh, sorry, yeah, can because, you feel the love tonight? Oh, it just seems like more of a crowd pleaser and it seems like it's really stood the test of time as far as something that can exist outside of the film. Like I think mm. you play Circle of Life and people start, you know, reminiscing about their Lion King experiences, whereas you can put on can you feel the love tonight and people will have sassy opinions about lion sex, but otherwise <laughs> they can also be like, oh, if you've never seen The Lion King, you could whack this on and be like, oh, let's sit in a rowboat and kiss and talk about the past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is my super intellectual yeah. <laughs> take on why. I really wonder if the original the film versions were up for nomination or the elton john yeah versions because he had singles of all three question mark and hakuna right but yeah circle one then the golden globes they won best picture for music best picture musical comedy best original score and can you feel the love tonight also won an award interesting Hmm. okay so this uh show what do i want to start with there's so much to unpack here (laughs) So much to unpack. It's a lie. There's like three lines. This <laughs> this movie was not meant to be the next big hit after Aladdin. Okay. So they finished Aladdin and said, okay, A-Team, we've got a great movie for you. It's called Pocahontas. Go work on that. That's going to be our next big hit. B-Team, we've got this movie about lions. Make it work. (laughs) So that's why Alan Menken didn't do the music for this because he was assigned to Pocahontas. Okay. And there was this kind of mentality that, you know, movies aren't hits unless they're about humans. There's never been a hit movie about animals. Mm. So that's why they all went over there. And it meant that basically the B-team animators, instead of just giving up and saying, well, we've got the shit movie, they saw it as an opportunity to finally be lead animators on a film Mm. and they just put in they went next level, extra mile. We want this to be amazing mm. to prove a point, basically. It was their chance to kind of flex their own skills instead of being underneath other people. And that's why this movie is so... It was one of the many reasons this movie is so beautiful. That's great. Yeah. Because they they had the opportunity to finally make yeah, something awesome. Pulled out all the stops and it really worked for them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So Pocahontas had a $10 million budget. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know about you, but I'm not as ex- as excited as about Pocahontas as I was no, about this. No, no. <laughs> but water is tricky to draw. Yeah. So that cost money. Ever heard a wolf cry? Ah. <laughs> Ask these questions. <laughs> you come near, running your mouth, and you can't paint with the colours of the wind. <laughs> so this is the, I quote. First Disney movie to not be based on any other source material mm-hmm. that they have talked about. So what I'm going to do before I talk about the the crazy controversy around this, because there's always controversy with these movies, <laughs> is first I'm just going to – I'm not going to tell you what the movie's about because it's, it's Hamlet with lines. So yeah. um, <laughs> I didn't want to summarise Hamlet uh-huh. because – I read that in year 12 and once was enough. (laughs) So instead, um, I'm going to skip my own synopsis and I'm going to go straight to you. Oh, okay. Instead of summarising Hamlet, I have given you the very, very first script that they wrote for this show. Oh, shit. Okay. So the start of it is direct from the script and the rest is a summary, but this is what the original Lion King was going to look like four years before its release. All right, here we go. The following is the first treatment of what will eventually become The Lion King. This treatment was written by Tom Dish. (laughs) D-I-S-C-H? Dish? 
We saying dish? Yeah. Or You're saying disc. dish. I'll sounds, go with it. Sounds like a real dish. <laughs> and is uh, entitled King of the Kalahari. The first part of this is direct from the treat that treatment. pre credit sequence, an animated map of Africa. Love it already. As the camera spirals down over the dune of the Sahara and the jungles of the Congo, the deep, creepy voice of Scobie explains... <laughs> I'm sorry, it's Gobi. Explains that the jungles are ruled by the king of the beasts. Here we see the Kalahari now as Scobie, the vulture, who circles high above it. It is the lion who writes the laws which all the other beasts obey. As Scobie states these three laws, they are illustrated by the action he surveys far below. Rule number one, be alert. A wildebeest lifts its head and sniffs the air, takes alarm and breaks into a run. Rule number two, be fast. A wildebeest falls behind the galloping herd and a pride of lions hunt it down from Scobie's spiralling viewpoint. We can appreciate the lioness pack and though we do not see the movement, the moment of the kill, we see the immediate aftermath as King Brond stands above. And rule number three, be patient. Scobie settles and waits for the lions to eat their fill. From this point on, this is just a summary of what happens. After this is all done, the Pride goes home where Sheena, the female head of the Pride, finds her son Rigo playing with a cat. Uh, a rat, sorry. What? Kitty, <laughs> <laughs> kitty, kitty. Uh, one day, another young lion named Kruki lures Rigo away through a group uh, towards a group of hyenas. There's a chase, and just as Rigo is about to be caught, he is saved by the king of the elephants, Jambo, who is just as highly regarded as King Brond. Later on, Maruki kills an antelope and takes the first bite, a big no-no, which leads to him being exiled by King Brond. A year goes by and Bronze Pride finds Maruki, who is now sports a distinctive black mane. Maruki challenges the king and defeats him, making him the new king. Sheena, the queen lion, tells her son Rigo to run away, so he leaves with the courtesan named Bobo, who is a mandrel. Bobo and Rigo end up facing the hyenas, which they defeat when Bobo finds a pride of female lions who need a male. Rigo joins their pride and falls in love with Nanda. Meanwhile, Maruki is being a shithead and attacks a baby elephant. Rigo's pride catches up with his retired father and is taught how to fight. To the tune of Eye of the Tiger, Rigo charges Maruki with his pride and defeats him. He then banishes Maruki, but unfortunately for him, he walks on a salt pan which gives away underneath him and he dies. Rigo is now king of the Kalahari and rules alongside his wife, Nanda. Never thought ever in my life I would have to say the word Maruki so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a mouthful. Maruki. Yeah, so that's that was their original, that was the original treatment that was yeah. proposed. And obviously mm. it's come a long mm. way from there. Yep. So following that, it became King of the Beasts, which was a movie about lions versus baboons and the head baboon was named Scar and it was a war film. So it was basically, you know, it, it sounds a bit like Planet of the Apes in my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, according to them, original source material, it was basically Bambi in Africa. That's all they had to run with. Right. <clears throat> Introducing Osamu Tezaka's Kimba the White Lion. Who lives down in deepest, darkest Africa? Who's the one who brought the jungle fame? Who's the king of animals in Africa? Kimba the White Lion is his name. A Japanese animation series that aired in the 60s and 70s on American television. Hmm. So 
basically, Osamu Tezunaka was called the Walt Disney of Japan, and he is responsible for Astro Boy. Hmm. Here are the main points I wrote down from this series. Kimba is a white lion who is captured and put on a boat with his mother in a cage. And Kimba is small enough to get out of the cage. And his mum says, you've got to escape, get out of the cage and jump. Mm. So he jumps into the ocean and he swims to the jungle. On his way, he starts giving up and his dead mother appears in the sky and tells him he can go on. When he lands on the isle, a Majoral welcomes him to the jungle. And then he finds out there is a black-maned lion who's super evil that runs the jungle. (laughs) And at some point, there's a massive stampede of antelope and young Kimbra Kimbra is clinging onto a branch and a bird flies over and tells him help is on the way. And then at another point, there is uh, a scene where you see that the evil lion has um, a faulty eye. So he's got an an eye issue on one side. And then later on you see Kimbra is bigger and he's falling off a cliff and he's desperately trying to get back up. And there's also hyenas in this film. Um, There's also a fucking warthog that is ashamed of who he is. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. None of this sounds familiar. I don't know what you're talking about. There is a scene where Scar and Simba, I'm sorry, Kimba and the other guy fight each other in an almost shot for shot. Oh my God. Creation of the scene you see in The Lion King at the end. So what... I could gather from my research because when we did Aladdin, we spoke about how it was basically taken from um, what's his name, Sim- uh, Cobbler and the the Cobbler and the Thief. It looks like this started as a Western retelling of Kimba, the White Lion, mm. and there is a very very early drawing of Simba as a white cub, and. Through interviews and people going off the record and blah, 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 it it becomes apparent that they were originally going to make Kimbra and then they scrapped that, but then they didn't tell anybody and they started just passing on the ideas to people who had never seen this series. Mm. So it's not that the animators knowingly remade this film, mm but the instructions that they were given originally just happened to be ripped off this film Mm. and they have unknowingly remade it. So it's a little bit different to Aladdin. Mm. Mm. So, yes, some of this is ripped off a Japanese animation, but not in the same way. I think a lot of this was kind of innocently Mm. produced and then there were protests and riots in Japan over it because he was a very, very, like, highly regarded person. Yeah. And that's where I will leave that mm. for you to mull over. Oh. oh. Yeah. oh is that a cliffhanger? Does something yeah. else happen? Or is <laughs> this is where Jim Cummings comes into it. <laughs> so not an entirely clean story. Yeah. Mm. I really liked the idea that, oh, it was based on no source material originally and eventually it became very obvious that they were accidentally remaking Hamlet with lions. Mm. They at one point started throwing in quotes from Hamlet all the way through it and then thought it was a bit too on the nose Wait, and took it out. Wait, so they didn't, the Hamlet thing was an accident because they were busy plagiarising something else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. 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 Yeah, you don't hear about 
any of the Shakespeare heads getting out and writing. Right? So. <laughs> oh, wait, no, important question too. In two of the different scripts that you've read about so far, what's a mandrel? I think it's a type of A mandrel's bird? a baboon. Oh, it's a baboon. Okay, oh. there yeah. we go. Okay. Completely so Rafiki. different to a bird. Yeah. <laughs> Rafiki is a mandrel, which is oh, a type twist. of baboon. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So what distinguishes them is that amazing colouring they have on their face with the blue and the yeah, red and yeah. stuff. Oh, That's okay. a mandrel, whereas basic baboons. <laughs> Those dumb idiots. <laughs> <laughs> They're not as colourful and they don't have the colourful butts and stuff. Yeah. Mandrels are super pretty and super vicious. Oh, they are yeah. I've heard that. They're super aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> then why do they just give their baby to it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Show this to elephants, yeah. please. <laughs> it's actually more of a, like a, a ritualistic sacrifice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> please don't tear our face off. <laughs> actually, my, Tim's tidbit for this, Tim's my partner. He, we're watching Circle of life and he goes, why are they all bowing to the animals that are going to eat them? Mm. <laughs> Good question, Tim. Yeah. Mm. But I guess, maybe that's what I would do. <laughs> you know what? Guys, we we uh, idolise Elon Musk. Elon Musk would eat us in a heartbeat. So I, I yeah. completely empathise. And once he yeah. started eating people, there's every chance that if he showed me his poorly named baby, I'd bow. <laughs> if it meant I was less likely to be his breakfast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, what a pretty yeah. baby. <laughs> so this movie... Movie grossed over two billion dollars in box office and video sales, and mm. it is still to this date the eighth highest-grossing film of all time, mm. which is pretty awesome. Do you know what's number one? Is it still? It's either Avatar or Titanic. Is it Titanic? Make your choice. Oh, you going with Titanic? What uh, do you reckon? An emphysema documentary. <laughs> 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 what <Yes>. was it? <laughs> Does that make it no. Batman <laughs> or is it Star Wars? It's the Jason Reitman mockumentary, Thank You for Smoking. Yes, oh, thank yes. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron Eckhart gets his due. Yeah. It is Avatar. I think uh, Titanic. Yeah. Was number two, but it was overtaken by N- Avengers Endgame. Yeah, yeah, so it. Yeah. So number two is now Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And, yeah, it did overtake Avengers. So, uh, um, sorry, Avatar, so Avatar did a re-release to get back in front. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that worked? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so like box office takings are always like include re-releases and things like that. So oh a lot of um, the really old Disneys have these really high box office takings because they'll release them again every oh, 10, 15 multiple years. Multiple times. And so, oh, my God. Because yeah. that's how they used to make money, pre-videos and things. They just release it again and again in cinemas because otherwise how does the movie keep generating you oh golly is that tied to why they do that thing is it still that vault thing where they like start they release new dvds and then they stop yeah so that's why because they didn't want to do video for a long time because they made so much money off re-releases so when they finally caved into videos first they released random shit that no one wanted to see like random mickey mouse shorts Mm -hmm. and then they said yeah we'll release the videos but only for a limited time so it became you know get cinderella before she runs back to the castle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you banned it. That, yeah, way. that sounds incredibly problematic. <laughs> yeah. Get Cinderella before she gets home. That way not only could they cause like a buying frenzy, but it meant they could release it again later with a new sticker or a new bonus feature yeah, right. or whatever. And mm. then it was DVD land and there was the Blu-ray and the Platinum and the Platinum Brewway and the blah, blah, blah. And then oh. now we've got Disney Plus. So this, um, <laughs> this may have changed recently because, you know, Marvel is its own sort of collapsing star at the moment. Um, but I believe <laughs> that Lion King is the most profitable franchise ever. That wouldn't surprise me because the re-release also was one of the highest grossing films yeah. ever, despite the fact it was 
terrible. <laughs> oh, and on the re-release. The, the 2019, sorry, live-action live remake. Action oh, remake. Oh, the yeah. remake, oh. sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Live-action in... Oh, so a lot of people mark. went to that. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was kind of that thing of, Look, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was bowing down to the Disney machine. I was yeah. like, yes, give me more. I think it's not that it was good. It was that everybody wanted to see it. Yeah. Right, yeah. Because we expected it to be good. Yeah. So it was more that rush at the start that would have given it all the money before people realised. I saw it on a plane, so I saw it for free. Well, I paid for the plane. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because you wanted to go where um, the plane was going yeah. or you just... <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, what a, what a trash fire. Oh, God. But um, also the musical, I think, has made like... Nine billion dollars. It is still the highest grossing musical on Broadway. Yeah. It will be very hard to catch that because Mm. when is it ever going to close? Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Good times. Yeah. Like, unless you want to make a competing puppet musical. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who would do a thing like that? (laughs) Cut to us (laughs) 10 years from now. (laughs) Just like literal sock puppets. We can only afford these. (laughs) (laughs) It's just one of those. Have you you both seen the musical? Yeah. No. You haven't seen Lion King? I don't know why I'm stopping myself from doing it. I've had several opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I guess I'm a purist. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, they have made some incredible improvements mm. to it on what is already a fantastic piece. There's some extra music in it that yeah. we will talk about later that wasn't actually written specifically for the musical, nor mm. did it appear in this film. It's kind of a fun time. And, uh, yeah, no, it's it, it just kind of worked. I was very against seeing the musical for the longest time. I think I just sort of, like, rolled my eyes because when it came out I was, you know, an angsty punk rock teenager and mm. I was like, mm, I don't want to see a Disney musical. Um, but then I saw it back in, like, what was that, 20... 11, 2012, whenever mm. it was in Melbourne last, mm-hmm. and I was just blown away by it. It's incredible. And, mm. yeah, some of the additional music is stunning. Mm. Yeah, Julie Taymor. Julie Taymor. Nailed it. Right, go. right, yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Julie Taymor, not Susan Strumman. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the producers was really good, okay? Um, okay, all the other stats I would like to drop in when we're actually talking about the music. So Excellent. So... I think it's a good time to take a quick break and uh, come back with the songs. Rock on. Rock on. Bye. Hey, guys, it's Will here. You know, it's that time of the show. We get an ad break and we're driving home with Will and love song dedications. But I have no love songs to dedicate, only things to advertise. Firstly, thank you to all of our patrons for uh, supporting us and help us make the show what it is. Uh, We couldn't do it without you, so... Thank you very much. If you want to join us, you can over at patreon.com slash dissecting Disney, where you can get access to bonus episodes, uh, other fun stuff, which I won't promise because who knows? It might change. Today we are joined by Jake. Jake, plug your podcast for me. Uh, it's called Praise Dionysus. Uh, yeah, it's about the theatre scene in Melbourne. Excellent. And we can find that on... Uh, the, the, the podcast places, Spotify. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Etc. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And guys, look, share us with your friends. Uh, ask them what their favourite Disney song is and then be prepared for the onslaught of insults you get. Uh, we're getting back into it, guys. Bye. Art. I should, um, I should always, I should write something because I always just do it off the cuff. We've been saying that for 30 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not broken, don't fix it. This whole time I've been saying, yeah, we've got this guy Jake from Praise Dionysus coming on the show. What an invalid. <laughs> <laughs> no, we shouldn't have chosen a tricky word. <laughs> That's not us. <laughs> uh.
Sometimes we jump straight into our scores. Sometimes we what? don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was it flat to fives? Yeah. Flat fives. Flat fives. So we um, rate uh, each song on a, on five different criteria. So uh-huh. um, music and lyrics, uh, animation, contribution to story, and um, how well it's remembered, which we call our cake score. Our cake score. Um, nice. And okay. so flat fives just means it gets a perfect score across all, all from both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well assessed. Yeah. Music's yeah. good. Lyrics good. Animation's good. Contribution to story good, mm. catchy as all hell. Yeah. I mean, it's so good that it makes me question any other flat five I've given. It does. And Tim kept saying that to me. It was really fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Tim? We don't need your judgment. <laughs> Tim's going to start off a sister podcast. It's going to be basically like a critical re- like reaction to ours. Dissecting, 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 dissecting. <laughs> and here's where they really go off script in a full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I I cried. Yeah. Mm. What are your thoughts about this song? On the Circle of Life? Mm. Great. I, I, I get why you gave it a five out of five for lyrics, but I do not speak the language that a lot of the song is in. So mm. I'm going to optimistically assume it's really moving stuff. But yeah, yeah no, super into the song. I really like the, the dong at the end. Oh, the yes. door slam. It's literally yes. door slam in the score. So oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, whose it, door is it meant to be? <laughs> <laughs> it's Elton John's when he realised he wasn't allowed to sing it. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Walt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's um, it, and just like the cut to the title card with on oh, that doom is mm, perfect. It's, it's perfect. So amazing. It, it's how it it's bookended with total blackout, and mm. then the sun comes up, which mm. is something the live action completely fucked up, <laughs> and then and then the um yeah the title mm. card coming up. Yeah, it's, my god. It's just, you know, hand it the award. Yeah. How did it not win best song? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, The translation at the start is basically, it's a lion, here comes the lion. Even better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, six out of five. <laughs> it's yeah, it's here comes a lion, father. Oh yes, it's a lion. And oh, I remember I tried to, I tried to find oh, this. Father, yes, it's a lion. <laughs> I, I don't believe you, son. I saw this clip years ago and I tried to find it so I could put it in the podcast. I could not find it, but I'll just recreate it for you. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's a lion. Here comes the lion. Yeah. He's a lion. <laughs> Such a big lion. It's just not in English. Um, (laughs) If a lion's coming, tell me faster. (laughs) (laughs) Look out behind you. It's like a a guy standing like fishing. He's like, what? what?" (laughs) Tsunami's on the way. (laughs) What? Uh, I'm going to keep fishing. I can't hear you. Well, I'd reconsider. <laughs> oh, so 
Yeah, to be fair, if someone started yelling at me on the street in Melbourne, I think I'd probably do my best to ignore them as well. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, okay, God, he's yeah, singing. Cool, mate. Yeah, all right. Yeah, uh, mask mandates. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh good goodness. times, good times. Um, <laughs> The the thing that surprised me about this song every time is how low the key is. I just spilled water all over myself. (laughs) I just want to bring your attention to that. I didn't. I didn't like vomit on myself or anything. You didn't do something ridiculous. You just spilled water. Spilled a lot of water. You're all wet. It checks out. Checks out. Good (laughs) guys. I spilled water. <laughs> so the people singing on this song, it's Leboem who sings the opening cry, and then Carmen Twill or Twilly possibly sings the main mm. um, crux mm. of the song. Mm. Every time I try and sing, I'm like, and blinking steps into <laughs> the sun. It's so mm. low, yeah. Yeah. and you don't realize that, especially because the Broadway key is nowhere near as low as this. Yeah, she's yeah. like, nah. It's a gunyan, and it's a gunyan. It's a fair way down. There is more to see than can ever be seen, or to do than can ever be done. And there's just something so warm and beautiful about her voice, the the African drums that are yeah. in this, the African chorus that's singing in the background, which is Ingonyama Nenguinamabala, or if you want to simplify it, it's Ingonyama Wanta Banana. And <laughs> <laughs> it just it's really fascinating to listen to the original. Well, not the original recording. There's no demos of this where Alan John is singing, which is really frustrating. Okay. Yeah. But if you listen to his like pop recording, from the day we arrive on the planet and blinking step in to the sun. The amount of depth that has been added to these songs by Hans Zimmer and Lebo M, who are very good friends in real life. And Hans was given this project because they didn't have Alan Menken, so they needed a different composer. And they asked him because they wanted something different. Yeah. And he said to them, I don't do princess movies. I don't want to do it. And they said, that's why we want you to do it because it's not a princess movie. And then he had a daughter who was six years old at the time and he realised he'd never been able to take his daughter to any of his movie premieres because he does mm. a lot of, like, adult action films and things. Yeah. So he did it because of her. Yeah. And when he won the Oscar, he said, this is for my daughter because she thinks I'm cool now that I've done the like. <laughs> oh, God, that's so nice. <laughs> so fun facts about Hans Zimmer. He only has ever won two Oscars for best score. One of them was The Lion King. What's the other one? Inception? Nope. Did he do that time travelly space mess? Was that him? Uh, <laughs> time travelly uh, space mess. Yes, here it is. Yeah, is yeah. <laughs> yeah, check your notes again. I think you'll find. <laughs> he did do Interstellar. That's not what won him the Oscar. Hans Zimmer. Nah, I don't know. The answer is Dune. Oh. He won it this year. His second Oscar ever. Which Your is favourite film of 2021, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> 
This is surprising because here is a brief reduction of the highlights of his career. Now, I say brief. This is like me trying to cut out the stuff I'd never heard of and it's still this long. So prior to this movie... He'd done Moonlighting, Rain Man, Twister, Driving Miss Daisy, Thelma and Louise and Cool Runnings. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's birthday time. Cool Runnings. Oh, oh, my God. Yes. Oh, yeah. So post this, this is just a highlights reel. Yeah. The Prince of Egypt, Mission Impossible 2, Gladiator, The Road to El Dorado, Black Hawk Down, Pearl Harbor, Hannibal, The Last Samurai, Shark Tale, Madagascar 1 and 2, Batman Begins, Pirates of the Caribbean, all of that, The Holiday, The Simpsons Movie, Kung Fu Panda, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Returns, 12 Years a Slave, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Inception, The SpongeBob Movie, Dune and No Time to Die. And out of all that, he has... Two Oscars mm. for best score and 12 nominations. There's some huge movies in there too. Inception. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Ha- Inception, man. Like. <laughs> With that score, he basically like rewrote what a trailer should look like as well. That whole like yeah. sound that's now in fucking <laughs> in everything. Batman, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well done on your brr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just love how experimental he is. My favorite score that he's written apart from the Lion King, cause it's a fucking masterpiece is gladiator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That was yeah. probably the first score I vividly remember as a kid. Right. I was yeah. obsessed with it. I was obsessed with all that sort of Middle Eastern singing that the woman did every time you saw his mother, his wife. Might have been his wife, his dead wife. Uh, that, yeah, when he's in, like walking through the afterlife. Through the, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. 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 Isn't, was that the one where he was like, it's such a masculine film, it needs a female energy yes. in the sound? That yes. That was him? Yeah. That was him. God, that's great. No, because you're right. Because even that list you just like, like sprinted through, <laughs> it's like each one of those movies for the most part, I can like remember the way the sound of it made yeah. me feel. Yeah. And that's yeah. a highlights reel. Like that mm. list is long. Yeah. God. <laughs> but I just yeah, I can't believe two two wins. Yeah. He and prior probably, to this year, one. I mean he probably deserves <laughs> like five Oscars for this score. So mm. <laughs> so when your award ceremony starts yeah, up, <laughs> this tally will be. The, the Willie's coming later yeah. this year. <laughs> um, oh, that's bonkers. I wonder if he's got like powerful enemies or something. That seems, because I don't think I can, not that I'm like an encyclopedia, I don't think I can name really any other people that well, do the, what he does. The only one that comes to mind is John Williams. Oh, of course. So, right. Like John Williams and Hans Zimmer oh, seem like the two massive ones. Is yeah. he quite well Oscared? I think so. I think he's won an, like a good few of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, uh, don't quote me on that. I might be wrong, but yeah, it feels like he is winning more. 
Hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't actually know who the other ones would be that are winning all these times that he's being nominated. Yeah, I mean, like there's Howard Shaw who did Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, yeah. but everything else I think of, um, you know, Danny Elfman is quite huge. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I associate him with incredibly complex and masterful scores, but not the same sort of epic, epic. scale. And yeah. I found it really interesting. Hans Zimmer did that the Simpsons movie and not Danny Elfman. Well, Danny Elfman, Elfman did all the, the themes, theme. yeah. so all the themes are still in there that are his, but the actual score is Hans. Zimmer. I just love putting something like, you know, Inception or Gladiator next to SpongeBob the music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just shows you that he's a down to earth guy. Yeah. He's not going to turn cool up his runnings, nose. Man. Yeah. He did cool runnings. The guy that this score did cool runnings. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Good. good. Great. Great song. Um, yeah. It's funny because this song. In the podcast before, I've said, you know, there was a song that I had in my mind when we started as to what I thought was going to get flat fives and then everything else was kind of compared to that in my mind and that was this song. Like this is the right. one where I went, that's going to get flat fives, I'm fairly confident. And yeah. I was talking, I, I drove my mum to Canberra over um, the Christmas break to see her sister and parents up there and um, on the way home we are having this huge discussion about it because she was like basically arguing with me saying I was wrong about something that I'd given really high scores to or something. And and so we'd started talking about circle of life and I was like, it can't be that good. It can't be as good as I remember it. Pull- yeah. And so I pulled it up on YouTube as we were driving down the Hume freeway between Wangaratta and Benalla <laughs> and I'm looking at it and I started crying in the car. Oh my God. It's just so powerful. And it's shot like a blockbuster almost yeah. like the mm. way that like, the focus changes and the blurs, like foreground mm. blurs, background blurs, and then like when Zazu's flying in over and mm. you're coming up to Mufasa on the yeah. block and he comes into focus, it's just chef's kiss. I it can't, is. Like, yeah. I did actually make a comment comparing this to something like Beauty and the Beast where we, when we watched that, we went, the animation's come so far and now this to the, mm. li- you know, that to the Lion King feels like decades apart. Yeah. The animation in this is Flawless. The use of colour is incredible. Yeah. Like the pinks and the, the blues is just so vibrant. Yeah. And yeah, like you can, yeah. No, it's a beautiful opening. <laughs> yeah. I'd say it's definitely a smart choice they made not getting the animals to be the singers. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. that energy would be different. However, yeah. in the musical, when Rafiki sings this, it works. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree in the context of the film, it's nice to just have it over overarching. I really like that it helps explain what's going to happen later because mm. the whole thing is about life and death. You know, Mufasa yeah. speaks about it and there's that beautiful line, mm. up there are the kings and one day I'm going to watch over you as well and what a great way to try and explain death to children. Yeah. And then, you know, he does die and we kind of accept that as part of this. He's kind of set you up for that. Like, it's okay, yeah. you know, we all die and we can, it's the circle of life and mm. the antelope are worshipping me and we'll kill them like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd like to hear an antelope explain the circle of life <laughs> and how into it they are. Kids just, just smile and nod. He, t- he goes yeah. on about this all the time. We don't question it. We don't question it. We just smile and nod. Yes, circle, circle. We'll eat you one day. The grass, yeah. <laughs> Is he gone yet? Yeah. <laughs> Mom, no! <laughs> I'm going to become the cross. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, that's the circle of the life, circle man. Of life. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's move on to uh, the Just Can't Wait to Be King. I've never 
seen a king or beast with quite so little hair. I wanna be the main event like the king was before. I'm brushing up, I'm looking down, I'm working on my board. <laughs> Thus far, a rather an inspiring thing. If I think what? If I think <laughs> what? <laughs> I have to stop it somewhere, Will. <laughs> now I'm having an existential crisis. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, really fun little song. Yeah. Not, yeah. not. No, I don't know. It's a, it's a fun little song. I like this song. Um, it's probably the most memorable as a child, I think. Because it's the, it's the child song. It's the song that you can sort of relate to. You know, mm. it's the fun sort of boppy party song. Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I think you – it establishes so much about all three of these characters and their relationship. Mm. And uh, I should mention the singers in this. Uh, Jason Weaver is voicing Simba. Laura Williams is voicing young Nala. And Rowan Atkinson is still speaking Zazu. Mm who did have a song originally in this that they cut called The Morning Report, which just totally unnecessary, and then Mm. they put it in the musical, and then I think they cut it because they were like, this song is so unnecessary. (laughs) (laughs) Because the song was large. I feel like I've heard it like once, and isn't it just essentially like, I'm Zazu and the tigers are up to mischief. (laughs) Basically, basically, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Jake appearing in Lion King. Yeah, I think the animation is absolutely incredible. It reminds me so much of Beauty and the Beast, especially mm. the exploding towers of animals. Reminds mm. me of all the cutlery and stuff that yeah. that yeah. you see in Beauty and the Beast. What did, what did you think? Yeah, those things, all those wonderful things. I remember, yeah, the, the, the boppy childish goofiness of it mm. certainly got into my body when I was the age that I was when I really, really got into The Lion King. I remember me and my sisters dancing pretty hard to this song yeah. as children. Um, it was very hip-heavy choreography because it was like... <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Just very Shakira. That allows you to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh my God. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but then, uh, yeah, this rewatch, though, like an adult rewatch of Lion King, this song made me really sad because he's so excited about being a grown up. And then you know the sort of adulthood that he's going to have. And it made me really sad for the first time that it ever. It was the first time this song was sad to me because, like, oh, you poor thing. So much stuff is going to happen. And you're going to be king, but it's going to be pretty complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So, William, what did you? rate this uh i rated this where's my uh, you know what? i should get a better system but i don't have a better system um just can't wait to be king i rated it at a five for music a four for lyrics a five for animation a four for contribution and a five for cake you look outraged already i, I, was, I was waiting for it yeah i am uh, this was this was flat fives for me. Well, I can't fault it. Not for both of us. The so animation the is great. It's catchy as hell. Mm. The the story it drives is fantastic. Mm. And it's hilarious. Rowan Atkinson is hilarious in this. And mm. he gets sat on by a rhino, people. It's so funny. <laughs> I beg your pardon, <laughs> madam. <laughs> gets off. <laughs> Um, yeah, this song is is faultless to me. And mm. Tim was like, this is flat five. See, this is flat fives. This is storytelling. And I was like, yeah, but circle of life, man, it's, it's the circle of life. It moves of us life. all. It moves us all. <laughs> <laughs> we are all part of it. Yeah. 
But and this song is the sing, the song also functions as like that's how Nala <clears throat> that's how Nala and Summer get away from Zazu, isn't yeah. it? Like this is their yeah. big distraction. Yeah. To flee. Yeah. 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 Nala says, "How are we going to get away from him?" And Simba says, I've got a great plan. And then later on, Nala goes, this was all my plan. I'm like, no, bitch, it was not. <laughs> Let's just rewind here. <laughs> yeah, what can't you wait for? <laughs> I can't wait to make fuck eyes at you under the sky. Okay, one, two, three, sing. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Cool. Great. Moving on to Be Prepared. Of a lifetime, be prepared for sensational news. A shining new era is tiptoeing nearer. And where do we feature? Just listen to teacher. I know it sounds sordid, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And injustice deliciously swear. Be prepared. Yeah, be prepared. For what? For what? Yeah. Sorry, I keep looking at you. This would be great if you'd never seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a good point. What? Oh, um, this is the ultimate villain song. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. The reference to Nazi Germany, fucking mm, yeah. stellar. It's yeah. just so, so dark. Yeah. And yeah. I can't think of another, like, Poor Unfortunate Souls is fantastic, but it's not dark no. like this is. It's mm. creepy, but it's not dark. Like, this is, this is yeah, you're right. It's dark. It's dark. Mm. And, yeah, as an adult looking at it and going, oh, they're, <laughs> they're goose-stepping. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Yeah, and it just it speaks to so many ages. Like, young mm. kids would just kind of see that and go, he's scary. And adults yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Which is why it gets flat fives. From you. <laughs> From <my> what? <laughs> um, okay, so I wanted to give this flat fives. You are full of shit. But that would have made <laughs> solid point. Yeah. Okay, in my defense. Doing you full of shit. <laughs> in my defense. In my defense, uh-huh. Your Honor, I gave this flat fives, and then Tim was Fucking sitting next Tim. to me. So, oh my god, he really is the villain of this. <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim says to me, "Why do I hate him?" Speaking of Nazis. <laughs> it was basically like Elton John didn't record this one. Wonder why. And I was like, what? And he goes, I can't remember this song. He said, I don't remember this song. He said, I remember all the other ones. I don't. He goes, you do because you've watched it 50 billion times. Mm. But this isn't the song that I remember. I remember all the other ones. And I was like, yeah, I guess. Like, mm. I don't know. Did you remember this song? Wildly. And I wonder, for some reason, that, again, I don't know who Tim is. I know how he exists in your life. I don't know anything beyond his title as your lover. (laughs) 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 But um, I I feel like part of what makes villain songs really memorable, too, is tied, for me at least, quite inextricably to queerness and gayness as well. Like I think we align ourselves oftentimes, and obviously the queer coding of all these Disney villains, Mm. I'd say like an evil anthem like this, there's just something so wildly gay about it and about Scar that I think voices something that is especially resonant with 
gay people and yeah. the like. Mm. Yeah. I'd say so that's why I think, not to say that Tim is the straightest guy I've ever like, never met. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, maybe it speaks to more in some people than others and maybe Tim is one of those yeah. people that doesn't really resonate with, with a Scar style man. Can you more? I mean, like, we're both straight, boring people, so, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> we're never going to dissect this. Um, yeah, can you unpack that a bit more? Because I'm, I'm doing a cabaret at the moment all mm. about Disney and the two performers uh, that I'm doing the show with are both gay and they do a little section on how, like, there's this queer coding amongst most of the Disney villains as yeah. well. And I was like, uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so please unpack away. Oh, golly. Okay, sure. Um, coming at it from at least my understanding of things, uh, obviously uh, the track record for Disney villains being quite queer coded, like even thinking of Ursula based on a drag Ursula's queen. A really obvious one, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then like even trancing back through them, even like the guy in Princess and the Frog, he's quite like a flamboyant mm. little man. Um, what other ones even exist? Jafar has Jafar. A bit of like the game, of even when he was like, oh, I must have her. <laughs> I don't know. You really. <laughs> Jasmine's fabulous. <laughs> Eggie, are you going to take her out of that hourglass? <laughs> you love her so much. Yes. You'd rather her dead. I mean, I would have sex with you, but you're all covered in sand and behind this glass. I... That, that yeah. impression has given me a new reason to live. <laughs> I love that so much. I think Hades is another one from Hercules. Mm, he's got some sass. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Bada yep. bing, bada boom. There you go. Um, <laughs> um, I'd say that, and I think even like, like stripping that apart from even like the sex component of what homosexuality is, the the idea of that type of identity of someone that's kind of like the outcast and is misunderstood and has kind of been forced to become an observer of a system they don't necessarily belong to is a very mm. queer experience in itself. Yeah, right. Um, so even not picturing, even like looking at Hades, like you, he, he doesn't behave in a way that makes, oh, he must hump men. Yeah. But he's certainly like, he's been thrown aside, doesn't fit into things. Everyone else around him fits more cleanly into the society of the day. And he's in the underworld, has found his found his people yeah. and he can stick around with them but they are also considered to be kind of external to things mm. and of course that's frustrating and then you look at Scar and it's like he believes to whatever extent he's entitled to being the king he thinks he's able to do it and you're forced into the shadows seemingly from when he was like a, like a baby lion because he yeah. was like Mufasa's gonna do it mm. and what does that do to you as you're growing up knowing that you're never gonna have this thing that you think yeah. you could do really really well yeah. and people don't really even think about you like of course that's gonna force some resentment to start bubbling up and then what qualities come along with that that incubation chamber and that's how you that's how you get a scar and that's how you and you look at the even like looking at people now like looking at the personality types that exist in the queer community and it's kind of nowhere else why do people end up that way and I have a lot of conversations with gay men especially talking about the types of personalities that we develop because of being sort of shafted into the shadows of like that that schism that exists in a lot of us when it's like we believe that who we truly are is not something that will be accepted so we find a thing whether or not it's comedy or beauty or or intellect or something that we can pretend to be and that thing will be accepted and and then the mistake we make is believing that the validation that that pretend person receives will make us feel better mm. and that's where a lot of that like classic gay misery can come from yeah is because you don't feel like anyone's seeing the real you they're seeing the you you've fabricated in order to fit in in the pride lands yeah you know? yeah right yeah 
Um, so yeah, so that's why I find Scar and others particularly resonant because it's like, I get it. Like, of course you find all your weird friends and you hang out in this terrifying rock hill yeah. <laughs> and you, you're like, you hatch schemes and you get mad at this like boring heteronormative world that's like, oh, if I could just get in there and do some things. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, because they do seem a bit dull. Like all those pride rock folk, it's just like, and you look at systems, like he's holding up Simba to show to all the people that Simba might eat one day and they're all just bowing down. I was like, yeah. why is yeah. this how we're doing it? And that's why, oh my God, the moment where like Scar takes over the Pride Lands and all the like the hyenas and stuff emerge from the shadows yeah. and you start feeling like, oh my God, the world's about to change. Like you get that because you just think, I don't know, all of us can imagine like, what if we were at the steering wheel of some yeah. of these systems and yeah. the things that we would shift? And oh, it's a, it's a, I'd say it's a camp feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hopefully you do a better job than Scar, who just basically breaks the circle. But well, ideally, yeah. I mean, there's no food or water. Every, and then he slaps Sarabi in the face. <laughs> like, ideally, that's not what happened. I also should point out that Mufasa and Scar are seemingly the only male lions in Africa. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> yeah, God. But is, is that how prides function? Not to be like a vet about it, but is that how a pride is? Well, if there's like one man I and a bunch of ladies? So, yeah. What well, generally happens is um, the strongest male lion mm. will eventually leave and go and find two or three other male lions to go and start another pride. Mm -hmm. So the women are the hunter gatherers basically. And their primary um, job is to like hunt for the pride and feed the cubs and look after the cubs. And the men kind of do lookout more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's not quite like the Lion King where, you know, Mufasa's in charge and one bows down. Mufasa would fuck off after like three years. Right. (laughs) Do something else. But um, Sarabi would, would be the leader there. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's a little bit different, but there'd be, there'd be multiple males and you've just got the biggest one is generally the one that's in charge. Right. And if he gets injured or dies then the next one will take over, but Mm. yeah, it's not quite like that. Interesting. And there's definitely more than, more than one. (laughs) (laughs) Where did all these female lions come from? Yeah. And are all Um, these cousins just banging? (laughs) (laughs) Interesting factoid about Lion King 2, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, stay yeah. tuned. Join us at patreon.com yeah. slash Disney for that. <laughs> After that incestuous teaser. Yeah. <laughs> we know what you like, you fucking perks. I also want to know, was Scar always Scar? Like, did he come out of the womb with no. that on his face? Okay, so oh, I saw a thing. <laughs> yeah. Apparently there is a novelization of the film and it goes into Scar's backstory a bit. I can't remember exactly what his name was, but there is this whole story about how basically um, he was called Scar because he got a scar, and then someone likened it to basically he was renamed after his disability. So, so rude. Yeah, it's yeah. rude, right? Yeah. <laughs> but kind of hot. Like, yeah. if you're going to get Wait, which a part's hot? The nickname's hot or that practice is hot? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we call our wheelchair friend Roly Poly. <laughs> Fuck, that's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Stack is why he's sweating. <laughs> I, just, uh, I just asked a, a, an amputee if he needs a hand. <laughs> I meant the name. Uh-huh. God, you know, this is sexy. If you're gonna any, oh, there are so many other worse nicknames I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, Go to the next times. song, Will. <laughs> you sure you don't want to riff a bit more about this? <laughs> How do you feel about Captain Hook? Does that Hakuna <laughs> Matata? What a wonderful phrase! Hakuna Matata ain't no passing craze. It means no worries. 
Do you consider Pumbaa's gas a disability that you want to to make fun of him about? Do you want to call him stinky? (laughs) (laughs) Draw the line at erotica whenever you see fit. Farty Stinkerson. Ooh. (laughs) Oh, Stack has just fainted. Get up. We've got to go home. Come on. I'm broken. I'm broken. Uh, This is fun. Usually it's just me making fun of Stinkerson. (laughs) I'm picking a girl next time. (laughs) Um, Okay, this is a banger. It is a banger. This is a banger. What are your thoughts? On Hakuna Matata? Yeah. Um, It's a cool mindset. I have uh, not thought about it frequently when dealing with the stresses of life. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because there's a little bit too much of a catch-all, I think. Hakuna Matata. Forget about it. (laughs) (laughs) I just hit a cyclist. Hakuna Matata. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on rapidly. Don't think about your feelings. (laughs) No, it feels a little bit perilous. Uh, but I guess if you live in the savannah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> things are a bit easier to deal with. Yeah, um, yeah. no, no, but I, I, yeah, it's nice to have advice coming from somewhere that's like, oh, things aren't that bad. Like things will change. Time will heal things. Um, as far as it existing in a movie, which I think is what your question was more angling at. As far as <laughs> <laughs> um, but Hakuna works in the movie. Yeah, it's fun. It's nice. It's just nice for Simba to have some people to look out for him. That's a nice feeling and kind of embracing the notion of childhood starting to feel more like childhood again. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, that's really sweet. And yeah, obviously it's just like a nice way to get to know Timon and Pumbaa. Mm. Like, oh, what goofy pals. Because <laughs> we don't, like, by, by the time they're introduced, we don't, it's about halfway through the movie. So yeah. we don't have a lot of time to really flesh out their characters. But this song does it quite nicely, I mm. think. And so it, it's it like it, it introduces to them and their wants and needs and their fears, you know, about stinking and uh, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Integral backstory. I think yes. about, yeah. you know, I've had quite a bit of tragedy in my life to take a left turn and I've, you know, had all kinds of like devastating news delivered to me and all I can think of is if I turn to them and went, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> <laughs> and then just wander said, off. <laughs> my father just died and their response is Hakuna Matata. Sounds bad, it's Hakuna Matata. Want to walk across a log? <laughs> this is, is, this is okay? why I don't invite them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm all for you know it's time to move on and and think about things but maybe not the same day yeah like, mm-hmm. give it a bit of time a little yeah. bit of time yeah also not the first thing you say to a person like I just kind of met him and he's like oh <laughs> this awful thing has just occurred <laughs> I've been in the time. Yeah, like, oh. <laughs> so you're not gonna be that sort of Sorry, friend that I can tell things now. to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pumba smells bad it's like oh they're similar <laughs> Shit. (laughs) I really like that they spend all this time, you know, teaching him to eat grubs and we see like what his childhood's gonna be like, and then he walks across the log and for maybe three seconds we see the teenage Simba. No, yeah. that bit's boring. Skip yeah. to the well, it's an ugly haircut, <laughs> I get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we just la da through that. Oh, he's an adult now. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah, we miss the awkward acne phase. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. You're a man now. <laughs> <laughs> the days of... Furious masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how late in the game that choice was. Okay, so how many how many lion gazzies do we want to pack into the Lion King? Because like, we've animated six or seven. <laughs> Are there songs? <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
just a repeated grunting of a coup de batat. To my number singing it to themselves that they don't have to hear the fapping going on. It means no way. Are you going to tell him he's disgusting? <laughs> Don't shame him. What have we done? <laughs> Shit. Oh, oh, fuck. Well, anyway, this song gets almost flat vibes from me. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the only thing I rated it less on, I gave it a four for lyrics, just because it's not... Will hates made-up words. No, I don't, oh. I, I don't know that these words are made up. Are they? Is Hakuna Matata made up, or is it, a, is it an actual... Because there's a lot of Swahili in this... Um, in this movie. Mm. So is it an actual? <laughs> I don't mean, what does it mean? And of course it came up with, it means no, no worries. worries. Oh, <laughs> how many of my days does it say? Uh, is there Swahili? A <laughs> it's Swahili for no trouble or no worries. Yeah. So it's not so much about that. It's more about the simplicity of it, I guess. And I suppose there's, I, I don't then want to sort of go and say that everything that's simplistically written is, is lesser I just feel like it feels like it's very repetitive almost, except for that like little bridge where when I was a young warthog, that, that whole <laughs> so, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like it, it just it feels like it's very repetitive. We, we interrupt no this for the rest repetitive jam for a moment of operetta and then we're back to it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only reason why I gave it four because it just it feels very repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. I had Tim on my shoulder again. He's like, circle of life was flat fives. Okay, Tim. So. (laughs) (laughs) Is Tim a real person? (laughs) Or just Tim security? (laughs) So music got a four because he made me put it next to circle of life and said, pick one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He sounds fun. Lyrics, I gave it a five. Animation, I gave it a three. Contribution, I gave it a four. Um, because it skips over that teen. It's just like, mm. we're going to just skip 10 years. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And Cake, I gave it a five because it's super catchy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I just think, like, it contributes, it contrib- contributes, contributes, contributes. Yeah. It contributes everything it, it can contribute, I think. So if we, like, if we took the song out, then we in the song we learn that they're going to eat bugs and that's how he's going to survive. It'd be a really boring scene. It'd be a yeah. really boring scene and we there'd be so many unanswered hey, Keith, questions. Hey, come on, we're going to so. destroy your digestive system. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, so uh, that's why I gave it a five for contribution. Yeah. But I can understand why some people would give it less. It, it does sort of contribute lesser to the story than something like Circle of Life. Yeah, or but, even yeah. I Just Can't Wait to Be King. It just... Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just have to like, let's think about this, right? Lions are massive carnivores, like massive carnivores. Mm -hmm. So this is a lion that has survived on vegetation for 10 years, Mm. has never had to attack or pounce or hunt in his life. And then Nala comes along, Mm. who is a huntress. Now, female lions are strong. Mm. And he takes her on and doesn't die. Discuss. (laughs) Um, do we know for certain that he doesn't do any hunting at all? Is that the thing that gets hunting? Is, is he grunt. is it like Twilight style? Oh, we just eat the what? What does Edward what, eat? He says, <laughs> but he doesn't, he doesn't eat people. They, they, he they're, says they're like he vegetarian. Wants a zebra yeah, yeah, and yeah. and Timon says we're fresh out of zebra. I think they just live in a, a part of Africa that doesn't mm. have any. Well, I guess, yeah, there's only two adult lions. Oh. There could just be a patch of Africa yeah. with nothing but bugs. <laughs> is is Timber yeah. the only uh, 
is Timber. Pumba. Is Pumba the only warthog? <laughs> or is this another situation yeah. where it's like, he's, he might eat us one day, so yeah. it's just like, oh, God, he's eating my family. <laughs> Let's just not look. That's cool. Look at the Madonna. Look at the Just like shaking your Kuna Matata. Maybe I stink too much to have a family. Not to mention Pumba outruns Nala. That's another thing to unpack later. No, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Nala sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Nala sucks. problem. <laughs> Oh, Could we blame the woman? Yeah, because <laughs> Tim went into the whole like males are naturally bigger and stronger. I'm like, this guy's been eating leaves. Mm. It just mm. that's got to do something to your system. There's bugs. There's bugs. Yeah, but bugs don't. <laughs> it's have a lot of bugs. <laughs> it's a lot of bugs. Well, I if guess. we're going, if we're going to go veterinary about it, assuming he gets through adolescence, he becomes an adult lion. Mm. Does he therefore have to have eaten more than just bugs to have survived that long at all? I just don't think. Pumba would be okay with him just like. Maybe this is like a. <laughs> like, on a zebra. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, but if that's the case, then does, does that mean that he loves Simba more than he loves his fellow warthogs? Well, he does feel pretty bad about his fellow warthogs because. Like, yeah, he was stinky, stinky boy and they were yeah. for that. Maybe they thought he was furiously masturbating, but he's actually like eating a eating bunch of family, family members. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's our boy. <laughs> oh, he's going again. <laughs> oh. Surely he's chafing. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Hakuna Matata means no worries. It does mean no worries. I guess, too, just thinking about it now, it's nice to know with Simba obviously going through so much trauma and then having to flee his family, it's nice to know the like personal mantra and coping style he's had to then grow up with afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, your father's dead, your uncle told you to leave, you have to start a new thing with these like arguably gay parents, and your whole idea is going to be Hakuna Matata, nothing yeah. matters, don't think about the past. Yeah. Yeah, which adds, of, yeah. And it does sort of make a, like a found family important like and mm. gives us that perspective which i think is quite nice as well yeah and yeah. i like yeah. that they show up at the end they do not that leave him and yeah they yeah. so for him. obviously would have died but somehow yeah. Yeah. You know? but they got a hula in <laughs> <laughs> for love tim really wanted us to rate that yeah and, like, <laughs> the hula. The hula number. and i'm sorry and what would tim have happily let you rate that <laughs> let me guess flat fives yeah. from tim yeah no but then he would have shouted That's definitely circle of love <laughs> <laughs> That's the song. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, my head. Uh, any more thoughts on Akuna Matata, or can we move on? Move them out along. I can see what's happening. What? And they don't have a clue. Who? They'll fall in love, and here's the bottom line: our trio's down to two. Oh. Can you feel the love Song. It I, sure is. Starts, finishes, it. has sound in the middle. <laughs> it has one of the seven notes that are on the scale. <laughs> They've nailed it again. <laughs> so voices on that track, we've got Joseph Williams, Sally Dworski, Nathan Lane, Ernie Sabella, and Christy Edwards. So there's a lot of different people in there. I really like that it's a random voice singing the chorus. <laughs> it is not trying to be an any of the characters can you feel it's such a great performance mm. yeah yeah it is it's it's a it's it's a song it's an okay song um 
It's interesting that it won the Oscar because I did not rate it. It is very... the most boring song in the mu- yeah, in the show. I did Super not it very well. So yeah. except for the bookends. Mm. Yeah. Oh my god, great opening! Which is why yeah. I had to put yeah. it in the clip yeah. because I, I that that for me makes that song. I think of that mm. song. I can see what's happening. Yeah. It's what comes yeah. to mind yeah. instead of he's holding back, he's hiding. It's mm. too too pop almost. Oh it's god. very nineties. Yeah, it, it feels super nineties. Mm. Like if you think about nineties pop ballad, it's it's that. Um, but well, yeah, you're right. Nineties pop ballad is this. And Gentlemen, the father of the bride. Got to hand it to Elton. He can bust a tune. He, he can, can do that. Yeah. I feel like this song really does make sex sound foggy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like everything's like just in a, a Titanic. Damp... Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, but yeah. it makes whole, like Africa feel like that car on the Titanic. <laughs> Everyone's just like getting their paws up against the side of Africa, just having really ambient sex. <laughs> And Michael the Eisner's watching a test footage and he's like, no, no, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, God, but it's also fun for like a sex song to have so many voices in it. Yeah. As opposed to just being like one deep voiced man being like, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that the idea of like a room of people being like, mm, fuck me in the woods. <laughs> it's a cool energy. It is the closest thing you get to sex in a Disney mm. animation. Mm. Mm. Those eyes, man. Oh my God. Those eyes. Mm. Yeah. Which are the same eyes that you see in Robin Hood. Oh. In love is what we made for two or whatever that the song other is. Disney fuck song. Um, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they have the same facial they expression the same, in that. There's that sa- almost same shot where you get yeah. like those sexy eyes. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Is it a similar like because phys- I haven't seen that movie. It is. It's, it's foggy. Physical... It's foggy. There's water. Yeah. And she's like on top and of just... him. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, that is a very dominant. Like... Yeah. <laughs> and again, he's only been eating vegetables. <laughs> so it makes sense that she has to be the one driving the charge. But it's... <laughs> he's too I anemic mean, they... to yeah. like, take charge. You just lie down. <laughs> they are... I'm breathing too hard. Gonna... Oh, God. Give me a second. They are foxes, but they walk on two legs because yeah, they're anthropomorphic. Yeah. So, no, we don't have... Because they're sassy foxes. Yeah, Sexy foxes, so yeah. they just kind of spin around a lot. He never gets on top of her, and she gives her that. <laughs> oh, okay. This was the seventies. We had some ideals back then. Separate beds. <laughs> um, um, I rated this. Yeah. Three for music. Mm-hmm. Four for lyrics. Mm-hmm. Why don't I give it four? Oh, because of the <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa stuff. Mm. It's yeah. just so well written. And yeah. I go, that's probably not the bit Elton John wrote. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, three for animation, four for contribution, and five for cake. Because unfortunately, it's just still so memorable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I am c- c- kind of similar. Um, so I gave it a four for music and a three for lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really consider the Nathan Lane and Eddie. Um, the, I kept wanting to say Redmayne. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not Eddie Redmayne. Um, the Timon and Pumbaa stuff. I just considered that. Ernie Sabella. Ernie Sabella. There we go. Um, so yeah, I considered that separate. So that's fine. Um, 
three for animation, mm-hmm. um, three for contribution, and mm-hmm. a five for Kate. Because you're right, it, it fucking sticks in your head. It's boring, but <laughs> it's catchy. Yeah, it's a boring pop song. Is it true that Timon and Pumbaa were meant to be singing it originally? Oh, I don't know about that. Okay, that because terrible would idea. Be hilarious. Sure. Would be hilarious. Yeah. Well, be like, yeah, but you couldn't have the same footage underneath them <laughs> nailing that to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, their sex is going to be terrible. Like Scuttle singing all of "Kiss the Girl." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't think you should. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's uh, that's. Can you feel the love tonight? Yeah, and there's not really all... much to say about that. No. It, it was like the probably one of the main wedding songs of the '90s. Mm. And that's that's so kind people did of use it. that at weddings. Oh, oh my god, this was a huge, hugely popular song for weddings in Golly. the 90s. Okay, well, can <laughs> you feel the fog? Because yeah. you know, yeah. um, dry ice was a big deal yeah, in the 90s. Yeah. Every oh, yeah. wedding I went to had dry ice. Yeah. <laughs> There's your fog. <laughs> it's all coming together. It's just dry ice just sitting around. Yeah. Like, hey guys, welcome. Here's your dry ice. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's all the songs. Yeah. And then we just have to mention, even though that's all the songs, following this is my favourite moment in the score. Mm. So after Mufasa, Mufasa, Simba has killed Scar and magically Mother Nature's like, okay, and everything's green again. And he takes that first step on Pride Rock and you hear this. The da, 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 da. And the light comes <laughs> through the clouds. Uh, mm. The choir's going. That is an assertive cloud. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, man! You're right. That is the, the. That's another cry moment. I'm just like, oh, yep, there we go. It's just, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Hans Zimmer. Yeah, mm. he just owns mm. this this movie and so much of that underscoring becomes songs that were in the Broadway musical but mm, yeah. in between the Broadway musical and this so we had this then we had Lion King 2 Simba's Pride then we had Lion King 1 and a half which every single person on the planet should watch because it is brilliant it is the Lion King one told from the perspective of Timon and Pumbaa Hmm. It's yeah. brilliant and it's voiced by um, Ernie and Nathan again. It's absolutely hilarious. So everyone should watch that. And then there was a Broadway musical. But between The Lion King 1 and The Lion King 2 was an album called The Rhythm of Pride Lands. Lebo M had written all this sort of extra music that was sort of inspired by the film or didn't really have a place. Hmm. And on there is Shadowland, One by One. Busa, all of which are in the musical, yeah. and He Lives in You, which is the probably the most famous song from the sequel, but mm. actually none of that was written for the musical or the sequel, the second movie. It came off this 
extra album of like right. extra music yeah. oh God. that they released, mm. um, which I found really interesting because I, I kind of associated it as, oh, they were written for these extra projects. But no, that was just kind of leftover music from the first one. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Angie's Anecdotes. Angie's Anecdotes. Everyone's favourite uh, favorite segment, <laughs> uh, including yours. Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why do you think I'm here? <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, once again, Angie was unavailable to watch the movie with me. Usually I get an, some something that she just voices from her subconscious as she's watching the movie, mm-hmm. uh, but she's been unavailable for the last couple of movies. And so uh, I sent her a text and just said, do you have an anecdote for Lion King? And I'm just going to read it to you, direct, direct quote. I haven't watched it yet, but I immediately thought of Rafiki's baboon balls and how distressing they are. But that could just be baboons in general. I love all animals, but monkeys really test me. Is Rafiki even a baboon? Question mark. Then a follow-up text. Hang on, I know he's like a fake baboon. Follow-up text. Mandrel, that's the one. Doesn't excuse the disconcerting balls. Follow-up text. So Google tells me Rafiki does not, in fact, have balls. I suppose this is some Freudian shit, hey? Hmm. <laughs> and that's uh, Angie's anecdotes. Angie's anecdotes. My brain was like, when do you see his testicles? Yeah, like the full frontal nudity yeah. in the line. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fake baboon. That's like going up the simmer boat. You're a fake cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um... Winner. The clear winner was the circle of life. Jake for joining us on this episode. Oh my God. No, thank you for having me. What a delight. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> and if you head over to patreon.com slash dissecting Disney D, you can hear Jake on the rec- episode we're about to start recording, which huh? is Lion King 2, Simba's, Simba's Pride. Pride. Oh my God. <laughs> which I'm very excited to talk about. If um, you are not a member of Patreon, we will catch you for episode 24, which will be a goofy movie, which I am very excited to see because I've never seen it before and apparently it's amazing. I completely forgot that we were doing a goofy movie. It's yeah. technically not a part of the same studio, but I think we should cover it because it was a part of a lot of people's that movie. Yeah. Oh my god! Because yeah. I've never heard of anyone say anything positive about that movie before. Really? So, yeah, but I don't bring it up. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, you <should> <laughs> maybe you should lead each conversation to start now. With, what are your thoughts on a goofy movie maybe. from 1995? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm filtering my pals. And I <laughs> don't so, want to waste any time here. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Stackers and I'm Will and I'm Jake. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.